Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show, On The Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Joe is here. Rob Centers, our fabulous producer. No, I'm not here. It's an, I'm an illusion. Oh, you're AI. I'm, a, I'm holistic. <laughs> ah, holistic. <laughs> you mean you're eating well? Yes, uh, I am. Gotcha. I'm enjoying okay. the parts of things and <laughs> trying to relate them to the whole. All right. Uh, we have the Sunbury Motor Company as our sponsor. We thank them for joining us and uh, being part of the show. With that, we welcome our guest on the show. Uh, Branton Gassaway is here. He's a professor of religious studies at Bucknell University, uh, expert in the intersection of politics and religion, and has been following up on what is uh, candidate Mastriano, who is a Christian nationalist. And well, they claim he is. He hasn't right. espoused that. Well, he hasn't said anything. So, well, let's, let's, set our, <laughs> let's our let good Dr. Brantley tell us. What <laughs> so, good morning, Dr. Brantley. Thank you for calling in. Absolutely. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. And so do I. Is Dr. or is, I'm sorry, Doug Mastriano a Christian nationalist? And what is a Christian nationalist? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, it's the, the age-old question. If it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it might be a duck. Um, <laughs> uh, you are very right that he has uh, denied the label of being a Christian nationalist, but uh by every measure, as we as scholars use that term, uh, he, he would check all of the boxes. And, and we talk about a Christian nationalist as, as somebody who, who sees America as a Christian nation and thinks that the government should privilege Christianity, Christian norms, Christian cultural um, um, uh, morality in very specific kind of ways. And so um, Doug Mastriani's campaign has been probably the most explicitly Christian of any statewide campaign that I have seen uh, in the last 20 or 30 years. Well, that's that's an interesting take. I mean, Mastriano certainly has support from, from what those people would, would be, but, you know, is that really a bad thing? I mean, does it, does it mean that they would be uh, usurping p- other people's rights, taking from people things that they have they de- deserve? That's a, that's a great question. And so, uh, I mean, it, it's certainly not an undemocratic thing in many ways, right? Um, and uh, he has very much used uh, his appeal to conservative Christians uh, to, to, to um, in, draw the support of people, uh, again, across the state. Uh, many of his rallies are, are, are very almost, uh, almost like worship events. I've watched several of his gatherings. Um, often they'll open with prayers. There will be uh, Christian music leaders there. Um, and people really have a sense that um, from their perspective, that God is God is active in blessing Mastriano's campaign. Um, I think that, that the concern from critics is uh, thinking about in what ways does he translate his Christian commitments into into policies, um, and so how do how would how would they inform his decisions around all the culture war issues? Um, he has called the separation of church and state, for example, a myth. Um, and what I think by that, what he means by that, is not that he actually wants an established 
form of Christianity that is formally enforced by the government. Uh, but he very, very much believes that Christians should, uh, Christianity should influence politics, and so there's not a separation in that realm. Um, but people are worried that his policies are going to be based on his religious views, and that would become exclusive uh, in a kind of um, a setting where um, people think that uh, nobody should impose their religious views on other people. Well, they felt the same way about John Kennedy back in the early 60s when he ran for president, that a Catholic couldn't possibly uh, allow other people to have their freedom of choice, and yet he and Joe Biden, for that matter, traditionally have not placed their religion at the forefront. Why would you assume, or why would anybody assume, that uh, Mastriano would do that? Well, I think that's a that's a great point, right? I mean, these, these the, the relationship between religion and politics, church and state, is just a long-standing issue, uh, right? And you bring up a great example of, of, of Catholic, uh, the Catholic identity of JFK. Um, it's always fascinating. I, 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 I when I'm teaching about this with students, I always emphasize that religious minorities usually really emphasize the separation of church and state, um, because that's to their advantage, of course, right? Uh, so, you know, Kennedy, of course, speaking as a Catholic, was trying to talk to a Protestant-majority uh, country, um, and so he wanted to assure them that, uh, you know, their fears or concerns about his Catholicism was not going to influence his presidency. Um, when you're in a, when you're part of a religious majority, right? When you're part of something you see as more mainstream Protestant Christianity, um, often you can use that to appeal to voters um, because they can identify that in in certain kind of of ways. And so, um, I think the real concern again from from critics is okay. Um, how, how is he going to translate his religious views on abortion, on transgender rights issues, on um, uh, other kinds of subjects? How did he translate that particularly to, to, to policies? Um, and he uses very spiritualized language, I think, when he talks about his campaign. Um, he's talked about, he's, he's framed his campaign as almost a battle of good versus evil, as almost spiritual warfare. Um, one quote that he, that he has that I have in front of me, he said, uh, the forces of darkness are hitting us really hard right now. Uh, we're going to bring the state back to righteousness. This is our day, our hour, to take the state back and renew the blessings of America. Um, and so for people who are not Christian or people who are um, uh, or, or, or don't want the influence of religion and politics, that kind of language is something that seems very concerning to them. Now, what if somebody says, well, we are a Christian nation. Our founding fathers were Christians. We hear that myth all the time. What do you say to that, that we are somehow uh, beholden to Christian ideals because that's what our founding fathers were? Yeah, the, you know, the label of Christian nation is, is really an ambiguous one, right? So uh, there are many ways that we could say, yes, we were founded as a Christian nation, if we mean demographically the majority of the founding fathers and the population was Christian. Uh, certainly Christian principles and values and assumptions uh, underlay much of the, the vision that the founders had for what it means to have virtuous citizenry that could make democracy possible. But at the same time, the founders were very clear when it came to the national, the federal government, uh, that Christianity would not be privileged in any kind of way, right? So they, they put into the First Amendment, Congress shall make no law uh, respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, so maximizing individual religious liberty, but not wanting to privilege any religion, Christianity, in the public sphere. And so uh, people, people play, um, you, you, you can cherry pick from the founders different things to build a case either for or against America being a Christian nation. And so I think it is disingenuous 
for critics to say, no, the founders did not, you know, support Christianity. Uh, many of them did. Many of them supported um, established forms of Christianity at a state level. Um, but I think it's an overstatement to say, well, the founding fathers wanted America to be a Christian nation, and therefore we need to keep Christianity privileged in order to retain the inherent DNA or identity of America. Well, that's a nice answer, Brantley. <laughs> I hope it's a diplomatic one. Uh, you know, we're, I, well, I, we're I, both right. Yeah, well, and that's what I think is, is, is um, you know, history is complex, right? And, and there's different ways to read it and interpret it. Uh, so, so one of the fascinating things that I've seen um, uh, in, in Mastriano's campaign, when he's out uh, uh, speaking at events, he will often tell a story, and, 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 it's, and it's true, but it's also a myth. You use that term, right? It's a myth that is powerful about origins, right? And so he's, he will say, you know who founded Pennsylvania? William Penn. William Penn had this vision for Pennsylvania being a light of liberty, a place where Christianity and religion would flourish. Uh, and so he talks about, you know, this kind of almost Christian vision of William Penn for Pennsylvania, of course, implying that somehow that is still relevant and should still be true today. Um, but, you know, William Penn was a complicated figure, right? He was a Quaker. He was religiously tolerant in many respects. He wanted Pennsylvania to be a haven for uh, religious dissenters, and of, of theists of all kind. Um, and so, you know, founding, you know, grounding contemporary politics in the vision of William Penn, long before the United States ever formed as a nation, right? I mean, there's, there's a couple interesting rhetorical strategic moves that are going on when he tells that story. And then, and then there's Cotton Mather to deal with. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, you know, and so uh, it, when we when we talk about the Puritans, right? You know, all the Puritans, you know, there's this kind of simplest, simplistic view. Oh, they they came over to America for religious liberty. Well, yes, their religious liberty, right? <laughs> they were often very intolerant. Uh, of uh, people who uh, did not conform to their understanding. They did want to have uh, enforced forms of Christian worship and uh, morality and Sabbath observance and different things. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the tension between religious freedom and religious tolerance is one that has played out in many different ways throughout American history. What about the intersection? Oh, this is a follow-up. Let, let me ask this real quick question. I want to follow up. On this topic, on this very topic, how did we ever end up where we evolved where the Republicans claim the religious right today and Democrats somehow are thought to necessarily be secular or sort of half-Christian? Right. right. I mean, you know, it, it, it's fascinating. A lot of the shifts that have occurred where we get are uh, kind of, again, a very um, broad, and I would say I mean, it, it, there are certain stereotypes that, 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 that contain truth, right, where more religious people, uh, particularly uh, conservative religious Christians, identify with Republicans, support Republicans, uh, and more religiously liberal people and non-religious people identify with and support Democrats. And a lot of that uh, are, came out of the shifts in the 1960s and 1970s in uh, partisan politics, right? And, and um, it, you know, it, it, it would, it's too simplistic to say um, uh, the debate around abortion uh, caused that, but that was really a, a, a moment of synergy uh, when uh, Republicans began to appeal um, to conservative Christians. They saw advantages in attracting conservative Christians um, around issues of public morality, around um, uh, anti-feminism, around anti-gay rights, around 
uh, pro-life, anti-legalized abortion, right? So you had a movement beginning there of Christians towards, uh, conservative Christians towards Republicans. Uh, and you really had Democrats embracing uh, a more secular kind of vision for um, what America should be. They began to appeal to more religiously liberal Christians, um, to religious minorities um, in different ways. And, and the debates around abortion have been probably the most symbolic divide, although there's a lot of deeper kind of issues as well concerning uh, the role of the state. Uh, conservative Christians tend to be more libertarian uh, with respect to how they understand the role of the government, and so they want a more limited government, which pushes them uh, also towards Republicans. Um, and again, uh, issues uh, for religious liberals, um, often around social justice, they've seen a, a larger role of the state in contributing to, to their vision for what a just America ha- should look like, and that's made them more supportive of Democrats over the last 40 years or so. Let me ask you this. Does morality issues, if you if you want to discuss something in pure, purely moral terms, is that harder for someone who wants separation of church and state? Because you almost have to make a religious argument when you're talking about morality, don't you? Oh, yeah. You know, and so uh, <laughs> I joke with students that, that everybody... Uh, whether, whether they know it or not, uh, everybody inserts their ethical or religious moral vision into their political sphere, right? When you have debates about what is, what is the common good, right? That's not an objective debate, right? I mean, that involves kind of metaphysical understanding of what is a just society, right? And I would say that people across all partisan divides are, would, would, would claim that they're equally committed to social justice. They just define that very differently, and they have very different means of how social justice should be achieved. So, you know, it, it, I always say it's important to recognize that, that people, um, critics who say, oh, well, you know, keep your religion out of politics. Well, again, um, maybe explicit appeals to doctrinal statements or uh, uh, Bible verses or something like that, but, but when people are appealing to their, their understanding of what a just society should be, that, that has an ethical framework that, again, is, is equally religious, even if they're not citing Bible verses or Catholic social teaching in some kind of realm. Can any religious uh, person get elected today? We have a Josh Shapiro is uh, devoutly Jewish, and yes. uh, so now anybody can get in? Uh, I, yeah, and I, at, a, at a state level, yes. And so if, if your question is about, um, uh, you know, we, in Pennsylvania, we've had an, a number of prominent Jewish um, politicians, of course, over the years. Uh, and, and Josh Shapiro has been uh, open in his campaign about uh, identifying with his Jewish faith and tradition and saying that this is how it shapes his values. And he's always tried to shape that, right, as, as an inclusive kind of, kind of message. Um, on a, on a national level, um, you know, we have, we have never had a, uh, any kind of Christian who is not, any kind of president who is not claimed to be a, a Christian. And I think there are still probably barriers in many people's mind to electing uh, religious minorities, non-Christians, uh, to high offices. Um, that'll vary, on, you know, state to state in certain ways. Obviously, states that are higher uh, in demographics with respect to Protestant Christians, particularly in the South, um, right, it, it would be harder for candidates who are not Christian to probably succeed, uh, and that's why many many candidates, both Democrats and Republicans, often talk about their Christian faith in states like Alabama, and states like Georgia, and states like North Carolina, uh, in those kind of respects. Well, 50 years ago, we put that one to bed when we elected Milton Schapp as governor of Pennsylvania. That's right. That's so, right. 
Uh, I would, but now here we have, for the first time, a Muslim, a member of the Muslim faith, running for the United States Senate. And I've been surprised we get a lot of calls in this program. Once in a while, maybe one or two times, no more than that, somebody has raised the issue of his religion. And, you know, right. he is raising his children as a as Christian, which I think is interesting. So, you know, what, what do you see with the, the intersection of, of someone of the Muslim faith running for national office? Right. You know, I mean, uh, so Oz has really um, uh, downplayed his Muslim identity, right? Because there, there, there's very little strategic benefit to it. Um, uh, and, and I don't mean that in, a, in, in any kind of critical way, right? I mean, uh, he, he wants to be elected, and so he's going to make the kind of arguments that he thinks are going to be most persuasive uh, to the most number of people. Um, but I do think it's, it's significant that uh, Republican supporters in particular have not held that against him. Um, and I, I think that's largely because Oz is is not um, very visibly Muslim. <laughs> uh, he, he, he doesn't, uh, he's not particularly devout or traditional, I would say. Uh, and I think that uh, if his Muslim faith was more central to his identity and it was more visibly part of his daily life, or uh, he invoked it uh, explicitly with respect to um, his campaign, I think that for some people, I think for some people, that would raise concerns. And so, again, we, we have this fascinating juxtaposition of Oz's campaign, the Republican nominee for, for the Senate, right, a, a Muslim, and then Mastriano's campaign, the Republican nominee for the governor's level, uh, right, so Oz is barely talking about religion for understandable reasons as a religious minority, whereas Mastriano is talking about it all the time because that's central to his vision for himself and his campaign. Finally, one other sort of only semi-related question, politics from the pulpit. How did we ever evolve where you couldn't mention presidential or governmental or partisan politics in the pulpit? It seems to me that the, the, the two are somehow intertwined. You can, but you'll lose your religious exemption. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it, it's really about the tax code, right? So they, they don't want... Uh, uh, tax-exempt um, organizations like religious bodies, churches, uh, making endorsements of candidates. So, can, so, so, so pastors, uh, priests are very um, much allowed to talk about issues um, and talk about um, a kind of broad kind of uh, political priorities and things like that. Uh, they are prohibited by something called the, the uh, Johnson Amendment from actually formally endorsing uh, politicians uh, in a in an official capacity. Now, lots of pastors and priests and others, w religious leaders, walk a line there. They usually make it very clear who they would support by talking about what positions uh, they support, what policies they support. Um, uh, but I think most people, um, uh, some people complain about that, but I, I think there's also broadly an understanding that there, there, there seems to, there, there seems to be some advantage in not uh, having formal endorsements of religious leaders who again hold significant influence over religious followers right uh, endorsing candidates and perhaps encouraging them maybe even uh, persuading them requiring them in some kind of level to to vote in a particular way I think that's also one of the concerns anything else you'd like to tell us maybe we did not ask something that's uh, top of the mind that you'd like to share <laughs> uh, no I um, I appreciate this conversation and I think that uh, um, you know, it's going to be fascinating, right? We're having this conversation on the day of the election to see what uh, the, the results, particularly in the governor's race for, for um, 
uh, Pennsylvania is going to be right tonight. And, uh, you know, my sense is that there are like, uh, just as, as, as Trump surprised a lot of people winning Pennsylvania in 2016, right, despite uh, most polls suggesting he would not, uh, it, it will be interesting to see if, if, if there is some kind of similarity where uh, Mastriano significantly outperforms polls. Um, and I think his campaign is counting on that. Um, and so we will have to wait and see how that plays out. All right. Well, yeah, thank you. And I noticed uh, when uh, Ed Rendell was elaborating on the letter they sent, uh, he said, uh, when Doug Mastriano <laughs> loses the election, he hope he accepts it. I thought, wow. Well, just out of curiosity, there were a lot of people who wouldn't admit that they were going to vote for Donald Trump. Do you, uh, do you think that same thing might be true of Mastriano? I, 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 I that's, that's my... Um, I, I, I don't know if it's my suspicion in a, in a negative way, of course, not 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 meaning that in any way, right? But uh, but I, I wonder if that same phenomenon might come true. That, that again, there are people because because Mastriano has been labeled as politically extreme, right? I mean, uh, Toomey hasn't endorsed him formally. I mean, there there are other kind of ways that that that, that more kind of traditional mainstream Republicans have distanced themselves uh, from Mastriano, and so I'm wondering if there is this level of, you know, we're not going to openly talk about it. We're not going to you know we're not going to show up in poll numbers, but there is kind of of a, a quiet support uh, that that polls haven't captured that may come out in the voting booth today. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so thank much for you your information. Much. Come and visit us as time permits in the future. We'd love to chat with you again. Yeah, fascinating discussion. Uh, thank you, Doctor. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I hope you have a good day. You Thank too. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Brantley Gassaway, a professor of religious studies at Bucknell University. And, uh, boy, just tremendous insights into our topic on, on yep. Election Day. We would love to hear your reaction to what you have heard and uh, your thoughts about Election Day 2022, midterm Election Day. Give us a buzz, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemark at wkok.com. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. One of our good listeners says, wow, being a Christian is a bad thing? I see this guy is your typical leftist. I, I didn't get that I didn't at catch all from that, Dr. Foucault. Well, but you see, if you are religiously intolerant, anybody who is tolerant was was going to sound I like think, a, a typical leftist. I think he answered the questions right down the line. I don't, yeah. I'm don't. i sorry. I'm a conservative Republican. I don't think at all that he came across as a leftist. But you're a, a Catholic. Oh, okay. Uh, that false religion. <laughs> that the, tainted your... The whole, what is oh. it? The great horror of Babylon? Right. Something. That tainted your hearing. <laughs> right. Uh, taint nothing wrong with my hearing. Right. Bob, you're on the mark. Thank you so much for calling in. Go right ahead. Yes. Um, you know, uh, good morning, everyone. Of course, I think how you're raised, of course, in which church you were brought up in and, and how, you know, like 
the culture around you. And at that point, of course, we're adults now, and uh, of course, we're going to vote. And and I, I think when it comes to that, uh, our you know, even though it's not direct religion, uh, whatever. But the thing is, if you have to make a decision in life, no matter what, you're going to go back to the background that you were raised. Excellent point. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to rely on that. So I think you're right. All right. Thank, thank you, you, sir. Man. Thanks All for right, calling. Thank you. Take care. Uh, Paul, you're on the mark from Berwick, PA. Thanks for calling in. Yes. Um, good morning. Um, the uh, establishment uh, clause of the uh, Bill of Rights uh, ha- is not talking about Christianity. It's talking about specific groups like Congregationalists, their uh, hierarchy, the Anglican hierarchy, whatever. They, they were uh, Christians persecuting other Christians, and that's what we were pro- uh, prohibiting. And in Europe, Lutherans and Catholics were fighting wars for years, and Catholics and Anglicans in England, and they were all Christians. That, that the the Establishment Clause is not preventing Christianity. Christianity is not a single unit, a single organization. And I would remind you all that uh, every president has taken his oath on the Bible, okay? Um, This is a tradition, and what does it mean? It means he's pledging to tell the truth, uh, and so forth. And so the Bible's taken as a standard of truth. And so you can use the Bible in formulating your um, ideas of life and reality and morality and so forth. And when you go to the polls, you can, you can vote according to what your beliefs are, okay? If you're a barbarian, you can vote because you're a barbarian, um, you know. Um, and, and Go Mastriano. So, what's that? I said, go Mastriano. He's a barbarian. Uh, well, th- this thing of calling uh, Mastriano a Christian nationalist, uh, th- this is a political hit job on on him. And uh, uh, again, as I've tried to point out before, if, if you have the lowest standard of morality for public education, do not tax me to support. That's your, your religion. I do not have to support teaching children immorality, okay? So the, the public school is null and void at that point because we're not going to let you educate our children on immorality. All right, we're out to stop you at the end of that yeah. sentence. Feel this free is WKOK okay, okay, Sunbury. Yeah, call back. Original. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Joe McGranahan is here. Rob Sanders, our fabulous producer. Lines are open. It is Election Day, midterm Election Day 2022. Uh, we'd love to hear from you on the topics of your favorite discussion. We had a great professor on the show earlier today, uh, and we have some reaction to that, so we'll play that on the radio, and we would love to hear from you. 1-800-795-9565 is our toll-free 
line. You can email us at on the mark at WKOK.com, and you can text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. On the mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. It's a family-owned dealership since 1915. We'll hear lots more about them as our show progresses this morning. And we do have some very brief news headlines. Penn Live reporting this morning the truck driver who admitted killing a New York City model and dumping her body in Union County has been sentenced to up to 80 years in a state prison. Uh, Tracy Ray Rollins, Jr., age 30, of Dallas, Texas, uh, was sentenced by Judge Michael Shawley. Rollins had pleaded guilty in September to third-degree murder and 20 counts of abuse of a corpse. He had shot the model 26 times before dumping her body near the Mile Run exit of Interstate 80. The Hill is reporting the U.S. Justice Department announced Monday they would monitor election sites in 24 different states, including Pennsylvania, to ensure compliance with voting rights laws. Since the passage of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, the Civil Rights Division has regularly monitored elections in the field and jurisdictions around the country to protect the rights of voters, wrote the Department of Justice in a statement. Civil Rights Division of the DOJ also announced it would accept public complaints through its call center. The, the Pennsylvania jurisdictions being monitored include Berks County, Center, Lehigh, Luzerne, and Philadelphia County. Yeah, they're going to have a meltdown in Philadelphia. The Sealance Gravaria School District says it's now conducting an investigation following acts of vandalism found Friday in the visitor's <laughs> locker room at Milton's Alumni Field. Sealance Grove School District officials say its administration is, quote, holistically addressing the situation and is focused on evaluating the totality of information related to the incident. They say any and all wrongdoings, quote, will be rectified with Milton and will, quote, exhibit an appropriate level of accountability. Milton District officials reported Sunday night the vandalism was found moments after the Seals Grove football team departed from the game following their 30 to nothing playoff win over Milton Friday night. The district says the damage found is, quote, consistent with pictures shared on various social media sites. The photos, which have been already deleted but are still being shared elsewhere on social media, accuse Seals Grove players intentionally urinating on the Milton locker room floor, among other things. Alumni Stadium just completed its first fall sports season after being renovated. Matt Catrillo, News Radio 1070, WKOK. Pennsylvania's four living governors Monday sent a letter to the main party candidates vying for the position of governor on November 8th ballot today. In their one-page letter to Democrat Josh Shapiro and Republican Doug Mastriano, former governors Tom Ridge, Mark Schweiker, Ed Randell, and Tom Corbett said the state election process will be open and transparent and overseen by thousands of Pennsylvanians who care deeply about fairness. The letter comes less than 24 hours before Pennsylvanians headed to the polls today. The state's marquee races, those for governor and U.S. Senate, are being closely watched nationally and have been held up as a referenda on abortion, ballot access, and the integrity of the democratic process. And, of course, inflation is the biggie. All right. Uh, voters are considering legalizing pot and psych- psychedelic mushrooms in the midterm elections. There are some interesting ballot measures in today's midterm election. Five states are voting to legalize pot. Voters in the Dakotas, Arkansas, Missouri, and Maryland will decide whether they want to make getting stoned for fun legal. Colorado is voting to legalize psychedelic mushrooms. The voters in five states, including Alabama and Oregon, will decide whether to ban slave labor as part of a punishment for a crime for paying off debts. Wow. 
Who knew? I was more interested in the fact that you said four living up past governors. I would have been astounded if four dead past governors wrote that letter. <laughs> well, these are the only four living governors we have. Is that all? So. Seriously, is that all? I, well, I that thought was there were some uh, other ones. Uh, Bob Casey Sr. died not too long ago. Right. Was Schweiker? Isn't Schweiker still alive? Yeah, he's there. He's uh, on the uh, list. Okay, Schweiker, uh, Corbett. Ridge. Ridge. And, and Rendell. Uh, and Rendell. Thornburg's gone. There was somebody else, though. Um, okay, never mind. I, I just thought there were more than that. Well, I could look be it up. I will. How many living governors of Pennsylvania are there? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one now, Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and soon there'll be another. That's true. <laughs> the polls say Shapiro, but you just never know. That's why you do the voting. All right, finally, and finally, some good news. Are you ready, Joe? Are you I'm ready, ready for, for some good news. Good news. Right. What? Former President Donald Trump said Monday he'll make a very big announcement, a very big announcement on November 15th from his Mar-a-Lago estate in Florida. He teased the announcement during a rally for Republican candidates in Dayton, Ohio. He says, quote, not to detract from tomorrow's very important, even critical election. I would say in the strongest way, it's a country-saving election. I'm going to be making a very big announcement Tuesday, November 15th at Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, unquote, Trump said. As CBS News as previously reported, three Trump advisors and a Republican Party operative said President Trump is considering announcing another bid for the White House in the weeks following the Tuesday midterms. The former president has been calling his donor base to inform loyalists he's thinking of it and soliciting feedback. Uh, last week, President Trump strongly indicated that he was inclined to announce in the near future, telling rally goers in Iowa, I will very, very probably do it again. Get ready. Trump appeared to hint of the possibility again Monday night in Ohio. Now, this year, we're going to take back the House, we're going to take back the Senate, and we're going to take back America. And in 2024, most importantly, we're going to take back our magnificent White House. We'll take it back. Well, fascinatingly enough, there's a story this morning that you will find very intriguing. Liberal media figures and Democratic politicians are questioning the intelligence of Americans who are voting Republican, befuddled by the idea that some could put economic issues over concerns about, quote, the state of U.S. democracy. While voting rights and threats to democracy are key voting issues, especially among Democratic voters, polling has repeatedly shown that issues such as the economy, inflation, crime, abortion are often outperformed, uh, often outperform the former. However, this has not stopped many media figures and Democrats from blasting their warnings about Republican lawmakers across the airwaves. I love this one. Over the weekend, left-wing documentary filmmaker Michael Moore gave his final push to vote Democrat ahead of the midterms, but in doing so claimed that 80 to 90 million Americans aren't very bright. No offense to any of you watching that aren't bright, but that's, you're watching MSNBC, so I'm making the assumption you know what's going on. <laughs> There's an assumption I wouldn't make. <laughs> right, well, he's not speaking for anybody. No, other, but they, they go himself. on to quote uh, people from The View and a number of other places <laughs> where people on the Come left on. are saying that if you're voting Republican, you don't understand. You're just too dumb to understand what's really at stake here. Biden has said the same thing. Oh, you poor Republicans, you don't understand. You don't get it. Yeah, you've said that to me a couple of times. Well, I think the Democrats understand what they're voting for, and I think the Republicans understand what they're voting for. We disagree. That's why they're two separate parties. <laughs> and there should be more. Right, there should be more. Thank you, Cindy. <laughs> right. Bull, I want to join the Bull Moose Party. Is it too late? Oh, uh, yeah, that ship has sailed. All right, right here, and then we'll get to the phones. All uh, right, I guess I've said, I did it for us. I voted blue for me and you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, says Hey, I, Bob, I, I canceled you out. I voted red. Oh, no. 
Yeah, my father says. What is it? Better, better red than dead. <laughs> my father says he's going to cancel me out later. <laughs> All right, we'll go to Stan. Is our first caller of the day, and there's another one coming in. Go ahead, no, Stan. No, our second caller. Yeah. Oh, Good second, morning. True. As far as the, uh, I voted today early. I think I was 42 or 49, but whatever. Uh, I, I voted red because I don't want the country to die. You know, vote red or the <laughs> country's dead. That's my motto. That's funny. Uh, you know, as far as the Democrats calling people stupid, Sonny Hostin of The View, or The Herd, however you want to look at it, called women voting Republican. They're like cockroaches voting for raid. That's how she described them last yeah, week. That is how she described That was the next item yeah. down in my story. Uh, that's it just so incredible to me. She should have been thrown off the air. Exactly. She's, she's, she's a disgusting human being. And maybe not even human, but that she's a disgusting being, you know, equating co- women to cockroaches. If a Republican did that, they would have been drummed oh. out of whatever they were doing in minutes. But that's neither here nor there. Now, but that is here. Thing. That is here nor there. That's exactly what well, we're talking about. Well, and that's that should happen, but it won't because you know who runs the media. Okay, it's just the way it is. They all pretty much all agree with it. So Democrats so, are the primary perpetrators of vitriolic remarks. Is that uh, what who I'm runs the media, Mark? Well, who's the sure perpetrator? Isn't, of sure this? isn't conservative Republicans, is it? Well, I heard about these remarks, so it must have snuck through the liberal media somehow <laughs> and well, made it well, past Mark, the gatekeepers. It was broadcast during their show, right. so anybody that watched it, it's out there. Right. Not, they're not hiding it. See, that's the thing. They're not hiding their disdain for the people of this country. Gotcha. All right? All right. Now, Fetterman, okay, he's joined a lawsuit about counting votes, the mail-in ballots that aren't properly filled out. So what, we want to elect a, a person to the U.S. Senate that doesn't want to follow the law or the legislature per the Constitution? Is that where we're up to now? Well, I think a lot of people have come out in favor of uh, uh, counting the dateless ballots. Didn't Oz say that we should count the date, dateless ballots? I Ballot? believe he did. Say yeah, that. I think he uh, thinks they should be counted. Well, because there well, was... They didn't say don't count them. They're segregating them. I mean, right, the, the, the court will have uh, to decide what's done with them. Right, but that if the signatures match... Uh, but, you know, a lot of people feel that way. A lot of elected people or uh, people who wish to be elected today think the dateless ballots should be counted. Probably half do and half don't, but it isn't strictly along party line. Personally, I don't want them counted. They can't follow the law and the instructions, which are real simple. <laughs> Sorry, that's their problem. Yeah, but how? And it'll affect both parties, right? It'll affect both parties. So it's nonpartisan issue. They shouldn't be counted if you can't follow the law. Yeah, but Stan, if you are a Republican or a Democrat and you're mailing in your ballot and it says put the date here in order for it to be valid. How are you supposed to know that you're supposed to put the date there? Oh, gee, you mean put the date there when it's right and written there that you're supposed to put it there? You, you can't read? If you can't read, you shouldn't be filling out the ballot. Yeah, this is a pickle. <laughs> no doubt about it. No, it's not a, it's not a pickle. It's the law. Well, the, so, but the courts so once are... again, the Democrats are suing to violate the law, just like they did in 2020. Mm, here we go. No, 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 not here we go, Mark. It's the truth. <laughs> the, the, so the courts and the Secretary of State and the governor have no authorization or right to change election law. That is up to the 
uh, state legislature, Actually, per the U.S. Constitution, which is supreme law of the land. That's No, you think that they shouldn't change election law, and that's 100% true, and I feel the same way. But the courts actually said, nope, actually, truth be told, it's perfectly legal. What they did uh-huh. was legal. It and may not be right. in the Constitution it may not be do, right. the court, do the courts have the right or the duty or the job of writing legislation, which is what they did. For what? For the election law? Or you mean Anything, the redistricting? The That's why Roe v. Wade was both uh, gotten rid of, because they have no right or duty or authority to make law, which okay. is what they did under Roe v. Wade. Stan, I, I won't disagree with what you're saying, that it was the law and it was there, but what purpose which does law, it... Mar- which law, Joe? No, the one about writing the ballot, having the address, or, I'm sorry, the uh, date on the front okay. of the ballot. But, I mean, bottom line is, all right, so that was the law, but what difference does it make? What did that provide that wouldn't be gained by opening the ballot and reading the inside of it? Why, why well, is that we, necessary? How do we know that the person inside is the same as the one outside? Because they match up the signatures. Because the only thing that matters ah, is but what... if there's no signature or date, how are they going to do oh, that? Well, there's a signature on the ballot, yeah, isn't Yes, signatures are, are discarded. Date, it's just the date. If you don't have no, a signature... No, there's a signature and a date on the outside of the ballot, correct? Right. If you don't have a signed ballot, you don't. it doesn't count. That's the end of that. Now, you have well, some I, counties it, curing them, and that's not even across the state, so that should be that should remedied. Be that should be stopped. Right, they okay. should remedy so, that. So, which other law? Which other law will I be allowed to violate? <laughs> well, in Philadelphia, that people lined up to well, put dates on their ballots. So let's get this fixed. Ever park at a parking meter and not put money in, taking your chances? <laughs> I, I'm not allowed to violate that law because I've I, I've gotten tickets because of that. Even oh though I God. tried to put money in, and and in, in Jim Thorpe, I stood there and put dollar after dollar, and I lost over a dollar in one of their meters, and it read fifty. 50 minutes, and it should have read like two, three hours. And they gave me a ticket. I had to pay it, even though they did. Fair enough. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks uh, for calling have in. Have a great day. You too. Vote red or the country's dead. <laughs> there we go. That's the that's the that's the way to be. All right. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five is our telephone number. Stand by, Dan and Chris and whomever else is dialing in. We'll be right back. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake. A service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. Uh, Dan, very patient. He is, but now he's on the radio. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, guys. Well, Professor did a fairly good job explaining Christianity in America. There was two areas where I disagreed. Number one, Mastriano is not a Christian nationalist. He's far from it. Uh, He's... He would not promote 
make one make uh, I call him pretty close to what I believe in the fundamentals of scripture having to do with Christianity. He would not establish a fundamentalist America. He likes it the way it is, only we haven't been open. The Bible believing Christianity has, is getting marginalized all the time more and more by the lefts. And by the view you gentlemen talked about, the view you see what they think of anybody that believes in fundamental Christianity, uh, they really have very little tolerance for it. So I disagree with the professor there. And on the, William Penn, now I know he was a Quaker, but you can be a Quaker and be a Bible-believing Christian, be, in other words, be born again, be saved. And William Penn certainly was. If you read his his writings, they were writings like I would write, or what Billy Graham would write, or what any evangelical born-again Christian would write. They're right on the target. And you can be a fundamentally saved Christian no matter which church you belong to. You can be saved if you're Catholic. You can be saved if you're whatever. And now, Mastriano is not a, a Christian nationalist. I disagree with that part. And I disagree with William, William Penn part that you can't, you know, you can, you can be a, a completely saved Christian uh, despite uh, where you belong. Well, I think uh, well, Doug Mastriano certainly denies that he's a Christian nationalist, and uh, so you, you he just is, yeah, have to believe he him. isn't one. No, right, he would you, not establish fundamental Christianity like I believe, and I wouldn't either, as the national right way of Christianity. Even though I believe it is, he would not establish that, as your friend Paul was mentioning. Like, if Episcopalian could rule, they would establish their religion, Christianity is the right version. Well, Whereas I'm... we don't want that done. We don't want Catholicism established as a national religion. I don't, want, I don't even want what I believe to force down everybody's throat. I want them to take it at willingly or, or not take it at all. You have to you have to see through these things yourself through the scripture. Incidentally, the scripture you may the bottom line. You may be interested to know that William Penn espoused a Quaker Puritan morality and expressed a qualified anti-Trinitarianism. Oh wow! So he didn't believe in the Father, the Son, and I the Holy Spirit. Not what I read. Well, the, Joe, you, you I, read I wrong. can't argue with you. <laughs> but I read a lot of William Penn's writings. And you could be right, and I could be wrong. I may be crazy, but I, what I read about William Penn, that he did, all I ever read, that he did believe in the pure Christianity, what well, who wrote I it? would believe. Who wrote it? What a historian. Good, I can't remember, <laughs> Joe. I, I wish I could. 
but uh, I could anyway. be wrong. I, All right, but I anyway. might be wrong on that one, but what I read about him, but nevertheless, even in spite of that, he gave us a, a state where everybody was well. Right. He Mennonite, did espouse religious Amish. He did res- espouse religious tolerance. So. Amen. And that's what <laughs> that's, that's the important point. what Mastriano espouses tolerance for all of us and not to establish even what I believe is what I believe, I believe I'm right. Well, tolerance is usually to, tolerance uh, is usually expressed with with compassion for the other person's view. Exactly. I don't get from I, I don't get from Mastriano a tolerance, uh, you know, <laughs> a welcoming tolerance for other people's views. He seems to be oh, pretty hard nosed. <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah, he, I mean, you have to have a belief system. You can't just go out there and be a secular humanist and say, oh, I believe this, I believe that. Mm -hmm. You have to have a foundation to believe in. You have to have an established foundation, which we as Christians, more or less, some more, some less, believe the Holy Scriptures is the foundation of truth. There is no other truth. And some people... some people doubt that, you know, and then that's the problem. All right, we got to You go. espouse that as, a, as an absolute, but many people, it's not that's, an absolute. That's Thank you, Dan. Thanks for calling today, in. Today, Joe, exactly right. our problem. We have, we have, we turned our back on absolute truth, so we were up there grasping for straws, say, this is right. No, you don't, I don't feel that way. Your feelings really don't matter. We go to Scripture, that's okay. absolute. That's All from right, our Heavenly that. to you, Father. To you, that's the whole point. That's absolute truth. That's not, thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Much, 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 much. Appreciate it. Super job, Dan. Thank you so much. All right, Chris from Shemokin is next up. Go ahead, sir. Mark and Joe. Joe and Mark. How are you? Oh, it's Chris Elio. <laughs> oh, Chris. Okay. <laughs> Took me a while to lock in on Recognize that. Recognize the voice. <laughs> Greetings, sir. It's time it's time to bring the truth. We were just hearing an awful lot about absolute truth. I am shocked and appalled that this country and these people, like these conservative people, especially these Christians, who want to espouse freedom and patriotism and all they want to do is oppress people from being who they are. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. I have one guy, the first person I heard, talking about, don't tax me for teaching immorality in schools. Who's teaching immorality in schools but to accept everyone as they are? Oh my God, what a horrible, un-Jesus-like thing to do. Are you kidding me? And then, furthermore, doesn't it sound an awful lot like slavery to have to like, like I'm a, what you would call a secular humanist, and I kind of feel like being someone who has read a lot of the Bible and a lot of theological studies, I kind of live the life of a, a, of a Christian without actually all the kneeling and genuflecting and praising and, and giving up, you know, of myself to an entity that is all-powerful and all-knowing, but yet allows suffering before us constantly. What, what is going on? Like, what do you guys feel about this idea that Christianity is a tantamount to slavery? Oh, I disagree. <laughs> well, I suspect how? Mark Tell does as well. Give me, give, me a logical, <clears throat> give me a logical answer as to how. How, it, how it's not slavery? 
to a degree, yes. And it, and it, well, and you explain to me how you, get it to a, you explain to me how it is, and then I'll tell you whether I agree with you or not. You're the one who's making a rather outrageous claim, not me. Well, I, ju- I just told you my my idea of my idea of a, of a you're dangling um, eternity in front of me. Okay. You either do these things or you're going to burn. <laughs> now I understand that it's a choice. So it's not true slavery. It's not like under penalty of death, you either do this or you die now. But according to most Christian religions, if you do not accept Christ, you burn. You go to the bad place. You go to the place where no one wants to be, supposedly. How is that not equivalent to being a slave under someone's thumb, being told, if you don't do this, you will die. What's the difference? You tell me. Well, the, the difference is, <laughs> first of all, let's say you, you, we have, we're a nation of laws. You're living under, under your definition of slavery. Any law that prevents you from doing what you want to do or that puts out some kind of punishment for you doing something is tantamount to slavery. That's not the case. Well, yes you might no. want to rob I, I a kind bank. I agree with you there. I kind of agree with you there <laughs> to a degree. I, but it's different. Like if I break a law, like I'm if I'm speeding in my car and I get pulled over, I don't. It, it's not an end all be all. It's a hey, you broke the law. You have to pay this fine. And I go, oh, okay, right. I will pay this fine. But it's a or consequence. Can, it's, or or it's, I can argue that there is no arguing with the Christian God. Well, how do you know? Have you ever argued with him? <laughs> I, I, well, I'm only going based by the rules that you all placed before me. Well, I, I don't know. It depends. We have people call this program, and, and despite the fact, although today we opened up the topic of religion by our, having our guest, but there are some people who have called this show that believe that uh, my faith is a false faith and I'm going to burn in hell because I subscribe to it. Uh, Mark is a Lutheran. I'm a Catholic. We get along perfectly well. I don't. I have respect for his faith. We worship meatloaf. They worship meatloaf. We worship lasagna. So, <laughs> well, but the problem... To be fair, I do like. I just want to. I just want to preface by saying, and I know you both know me. I respect what anyone believes on its surface. Like you believe what you want, that's fine. My biggest problem with this whole entire conversation, to be honest, is the fact that I have people on the air right now telling me that it's immoral to have gay people talk about being gay in schools. That I have people saying that. We've lost the, the 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 path to absolute truth. When in reality, I live a more Christian life than a lot of the Christians that I know, and I'm a full-blown atheist. So I'm having a hard time understanding where we are as a country from this supposed moral standpoint. But the difference That's here is that you're you're making value judgments about them, and they're making value judgments about me about you. But I'm saying that I don't think we make those value judgments about people. I think faith is a very personal thing to me, and I'm prepared okay. to account for my actions when I meet my maker, assuming there's a maker to meet to make you happy. Uh, you know, so I'm going to have to justify my, my time here on Earth, as is everyone else, one way or another. Or if you're right, okay. if you're right, we just croak and go in the ground, and that's it. <laughs> so excellent. So excellent. So great, great. So, so we're on a level playing field here. So then... So now we can say then that what is the problem with like telling children that gay people exist? 
It's not a problem to tell them that. Hold on, hold on. And and what is the problem with giving giving a woman a right to choose whether they what they do with their body one way or the other? Because let's be fair, you gotta be fair, that all of these decisions are religious based. They're morality based. They're not freedom based. They're definitely not freedom based. They're definitely not American uh, American standard based unless we are going to go by the idea that we are a Christian nation, which no. we are not. That's right, not true. You, you must have missed our earlier conversation with uh, the the uh, religious professor from from uh, Bucknell. Yeah, that's what started. But I asked him specifically I the question. I don't, need to have, I don't need to have a conversation I, with a religious professor from Bucknell to know that. Though. I asked him this. <laughs> well, you're not hearing my quite my answer. The question I asked him was about the intersection between morality and religion. Can you have a moral argument without it becoming a religious argument? We got to stop it there, Chris. Thank you so much, sir. Good thank to hear you, from you. Yeah, thank take you. care, Chris. Yeah, thank you so much All for right. calling in. Bye. All right, Chris from Milton. Nobody has to wait through two breaks, so you're the last caller before the break. Oh, so then I'll be cut off after two thirty-three minutes, and where everybody else got six. I understand. Nope, you can have six. <laughs> Quite all right. What can you do about it, though? You can't. All yeah, right. Well, Thanks I'm, for calling know, in. I'm, I was got all my boxes of uh, Chinese ballots down to Philadelphia to be counted <laughs> yesterday, and today I'm taking my truckload of immigrants around, illegal immigrants around to vote around here. Okay. And I'm then, pleased uh, to hear you admit this. I, I, I didn't think you'd ever admit it. The Dominion machines to change all the votes. Admission is the first step I to rehabilitation. You're on the road to redemption now that you've admitted your bad acts. <laughs> <laughs> and I get a kick out of staying, uh, getting so indignant about uh, the intelligence, uh, the statements of Democrats about Republicans, and the statements while, while denigrating Democrats just as much as self. That's always enjoyable. Do you believe, Chris? And he talks about how intelligent people are, are, and he doesn't know the difference between a signature and a date, apparently. Do you believe that white suburban... Do you either by judgment or by federal courts that immaterial things should not prevent ballots from being counted. So if he can say the date's material, then... It, it can be used. Chris, do you believe if that white it, suburban women voting Republican is similar to cockroaches voting for insecticide? And that they're voting to harm themselves. Yes, in that way, and that's what she meant, I assume. So then you believe that 80 to 90 million Americans aren't very bright who vote Republican? Well, I think... Uh, <laughs> they could do better. Uh, 80 million Americans are not very bright if you say the average brightness... 50% or less bright and 50% or more bright, so half of America would be not as bright. Well, good to Now, I don't think all of them would Thank be you, Professor. So. There, I'm glad to hear you say that. Not all of them are Republicans. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. <laughs> that meets your definition of truth, doesn't it? It does, yes. I thought so. <laughs> well, I don't and, believe all Democrats are mentally ill either. I have pick with you. What? I looked at the article online as much as they put online of uh, of your supposed uh, Republican platform that uh, McCarthy talked about, and there were no real details there. We're going to cut spending, which translates to 
we're going to shut down the government and until until Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security get cut because they sure aren't cutting military spending, right? We don't know so that's that. What they're going to cut because that's what they've talked about cutting in the past. You know, they don't so call they don't call Social Security the third rail of American politics for no reason. No well, rational Republican has been espousing it, so that. They've touched it. No, no they've Republicans it, calling for that. And now they're saying they're going to shut down the tax, the the government the the government to get uh, to get the enforced cuts. They're talking about sunsetting regulations and laws, and that's not necessarily going to eliminate them. That just means they get reviewed. I didn't say anything about that. Well, that's what the Republicans are calling for, sunsetting a lot of this legislation. What, the Social Security thing coming up every five years? Is that what you are calling changing, making regulations? No, they're talking about sunsetting laws. In other words, every law you pass has an ending yes, date. but that did not say anything about what I just said, right? You're changing the subject to a different one? No, I'm talking about what it is the Republicans are proposing to do. They're not talking about oh, cutting yes, things but out. but not the ones I just mentioned. And I also, the second thing on his list was to have investigations, and he mentioned the, the Iraq the ending of, of the, the the war in Afghanistan, but you know, it's it's the Green and Jordans of the world that control that in in, uh, in Republican politics, and it's going to be all all political, just like they did on Benghazi, and just and like the January sixth, like just like January sixth committee is. Uh, yeah, yeah, because uh, Benghazi, uh, as a as a as a brief incident overseas, is just like January sixth, where somebody tried to stop an election. No, we're talking about whether exactly. or not it's fair or not, whether it's fair and balanced or not. It's fair and balanced. Oh yeah, right. All the testimony is from Republicans. Right. How many Republicans are on the committee? Real Republicans. None. All uh, three of them. No, two. It's a litmus test. And they wouldn't let Jim Jordan on, who would have given it some balance. Joe yeah, has a litmus oh, test. Yeah, Jim Jordan. Yeah. No, I don't even go there. <laughs> yeah, Joe, you know better. <laughs> All right, 30 Jordan more seconds. Never, never had an honest word in his life. 30 more seconds. An go ahead, thing Chris. to say in an investigation in his life. What else you got? That's All it. he did was scream. What happened? What else? What else? I got. Well, I guess some Christians are more Christians than others. <laughs> you got your six minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's thank true. You. Hey, thank you so thank much you for calling, sir. Always Have a good, good one, Chris. Talk to you later. All right, we got callers and uh, texts and emails aplenty. We'll be right back. At Fisher Investments, our clients know we have their backs. How do your clients know that? Because Fisher Investments is a fiduciary, the highest standard for a financial advisor. It means we're there for our clients and always put their interests first. All right. One of our good listeners suggests other ways to get around mail-in voting. How about a drive-through voting location? Another one says, how about go to Walmart to vote? Even handicapped people can go there. Bottom line is there needs there is no need for mail-in ballots for anyone. Why is waiting in line such a big problem? Uh, Harry, you are on the mark. Thanks for calling in and thanks for patience. Go right ahead. Hey, no problem, guys. I have a, a question, and I'm asking this. I'm not making a judgment. I'm asking because it's something I truly don't understand. We have been told that 
we will not be able to have a accurate count of the vote uh, in a timely fashion because counting the absentee and mail-in ballots will take forever um, till they verify them. However, we also hear of people standing in line to get the ballots that were undated given back to them so they can sign them, which kind of tells me it must not be that hard to track these ballots. <laughs> Well, what am I missing? Well, they still have the name on the outside. Your signature is in plain sight when you mail it back in, and so is your name. So when they get the ballot, it says, you know, Harry, whatever your last name is. And then uh, so they call you and say, hey, you forgot to date this. We, we, Philadelphia County, allow you to cure ballots. And so, of course, hundreds of people got called. Uh, some counties don't do that. You go to rural counties in Pennsylvania, and some of them will not cure the ballots, it's called, where they call the voter and said you forgot your signature right. or something. So right. that's that's got to be applied evenly. This idea that one county does and another one doesn't, that's not right. But elections oh, are I, up to I the county election that, board. What my question yeah. is, is it's obviously not that hard to find the ballots, which means it shouldn't be that hard to count them. Right? Well, you know, it's it's a trivia thing. People mess up on this. It's like, have you ever mailed in a doe license, Harry? <laughs> You gotta no, follow. No. Well, no, I will. I will. I will eat deer meat all that I can get, but I've never had one take a shot at me, so I don't go after right. well, <laughs> Mailing in the doe license application used to be like uh, filling out a Medicare form. You know, you had to, a couple of pages, and you had to do it exactly right, or it would they'd mail it back to you. And so it'd be, it'd be it's always easy to do it wrong or not put a stamp on it and that kind of thing. Well, the ballot's the same way. It only has six or seven places where you have to write anything down, but if you yeah. mess one of them up, it, and it's, right. it's not but really easy. I mean, it's easy to mess up. I, I understand that, but I, I did it last year because my wife and I were traveling and we were going, we were out of town over the election last year, but um, I actually found it to be a pretty simple process to be able to do it, and, I, and I'm just confused as to how, I don't know. I guess if you just read all the instructions and follow it line by line, but then I guess if you're voting for democracy, that's not an important enough reason to do it, right? Well, Harry, <laughs> let me draw a different <laughs> illustration then. How about this? Have you ever worked in retail? Do All my life. <laughs> do all customers behave the same? Well, no. Okay, no. well, that's and the I same with the ballot. That. I mean, I know that, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's just we make this as a be-all and end-all that, oh, my God, it's going to make democracy end because we can't count these votes. And yet, obviously, it's not that hard to find them. Which I, I, I just think it's not. Yeah. I think John what's interesting is Fetterman joined in on the suit. He's suing the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, which is like six to two Democratic. <laughs> well, but yeah. they are capable yeah. of conservative decisions, and they've already ruled on this that the vote shouldn't be counted. So, you know, he's, he's going into a hostile Democratic court, I would say. All right, Harry, anything else to add, please? Well, I, I did find it ironic, too, that the, uh, the gentleman with religious studies um, was talking about politics and saying that uh, religion has no form and has no place in politics. I thought that was kind of an interesting dichotomy. <laughs> All right, we got you. Thank you, sir. Thanks for calling in. All right. All right, speaking of lasagna, 1-800-795-9565. We will be right back. we got two callers lined up, and that'll wrap up the day. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. 
That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right. Let's, uh, you want to read in the upper right-hand corner, please? All right. This is from EB, and uh, she sent a longer note, in effect, in effect saying, as, as she always does, Republicans bad, Democrats good. But here's her prediction. What's wrong with that? <laughs> well, it's wrong. Prediction. It's... Doug Mastriano will declare victory at around 11 o'clock tonight. Then, after the mail-in ballots are counted and he's roundly defeated, he'll start claiming that this is evidence of voter fraud. <laughs> All right. All right, Bob, you are on the mark. You get uh, about two and a half minutes. Go right ahead. Yeah, I feel bad for EB. You guys always put her down, and then you complain women don't call your show. There's one reason why. EB doesn't call our show. This election misinformation. I do not put her down. I respect everything she says. She's almost always right, and she's a fabulous emailer, and I hope she sends 20 emails. Maybe you do, but it sounds like Joe must be the perpetrator that puts her down all the well, time. Well, then, let me ask you this. Do you hear the content of her material, which is always putting people... I believe. I, I like her material. Of course you do. And she that's what put put people down. down. She puts Republicans down. No. She yeah, just she points does. out your many, 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 many mistakes. But ignoring the many, many, many mistakes made by Democrats. Don't think she ignores them. She just said there's such a preponderance on the GOP. <laughs> well, I'm so sorry for her, because you guys always put her down, in my opinion. Yeah. No. Well, well your opinion is wrong. With errors are going, you know, there's some count that are calling up the voters and letting them know they can come in and fix them. Right. You know, it's only certain counties. They should either all do it or none of them. <laughs> Instead of curing, shouldn't well, depend on where you Well, they should just count there. them to begin with. Whether or not they missed the date on the outside of the envelope, it's dated on the post office when it was received. Right, Correct. but you, but you got to follow Not when it was received. It's dated when it ran through their canceling machine. Yeah, well, now they're having it. Now, if it's not in by 8 p.m. tonight, even though it was mailed today, it's not going to be counted. Well, that's all. So the election law has always been that way. Ballot, they better take it to their election place and take it pers- you know, in person. Otherwise, they're not going to be counted. Then why not just vote in person? <laughs> I went this morning and I voted in person. Are you happy to Good for you. Like Good for you, Bob. Good for you. I voted in person, too. I got up early, was at the polls at 7 o'clock when they opened, and voted. And there were five people ahead of me. Yeah, and you were at Planet Fitness at 5 a.m. Not today. <laughs> 6 a.m. Yeah, the clock okay, change messed well. him up. I hear you. All right. Thank you, Bob. Thanks for yeah, calling in. I have one more thing to say. Oh. You know, Seals Grove football players went and vandalized locker rooms at Milton School. How ridiculous is that? They won the game. Why did they have to urinate? Can you imagine pissing on the floor? Well, they're acting like a bunch of adolescents. I hope they get arrested. That is so 
Oh mm-hmm. my God! The Institutional vandalism. Not the not the people that are uh, paying taxes in our county, paying for this destruction. Yep. Institutional well, be vandalism. Well, che- be of good cheer Thank because you, the Sealands Grove administration says they're dealing with it holistically. <laughs> uh, that gives me such great confidence. <laughs> <laughs> don't you worry about a thing. We'll yeah, play. We're oh, doing holistic yeah, examinations. We'll still play football. Don't you worry. <laughs> we have our priorities. Go ahead, Cindy. You're on the mark. Well, if they were on my football team, they wouldn't be playing football for the rest of the year, that's for sure. Um, But I called, first of all, to tell everyone that I voted this morning, and I voted a split ticket, as I suggested yesterday. And then I came home and texted my family members to remind them that it was Election Day, and every one of them texted me back, this is at 9 a.m., that they had already voted. I was thrilled to see such a participation rate. Don't you think that's great? <laughs> yep. And then I just want to say this about the date. Anytime I have ever written my signature that I can think of in my 67 years, what is the next thing I'm required to put? The date. Right. I don't get, I don't, I, so that validates the signature. In the absence of the date on a contract, it's not validated, and they'll return it for you to put a date. And that's true if you write a check, that's true if you try to open an account, that's true if you try to seek medical services and you're signing your consent. I mean, that is just universally expected. So I don't get why in this particular instance it should not also be true. If it's, if, what did they call it, superfluous or in, unimportant? If that immaterial. Were true, then why Irrelevant. Am I doing yeah, it all day, every day, everywhere I go, everything I try to do? Right. That just makes no sense to me. And I don't believe they should be in the business of correcting ballots, because where will that correcting end? First, you tell me they're just going to write a signature on here, and the next thing they're going to do is uh, fix the person's, um, I mean, write a date. Then they're going to correct their signature, and the next thing I know, they're going to be filling out the empty spaces <laughs> on the ballot. There you go. No, thank you. Well, as you, you, as you know, it wasn't a very long ballot this morning. I think there were four offices, and that was it. All right. State House, Governor, Senator, what else? Uh, governor, Senator, State House. I guess that's it. Yeah, guess that's three. It. Oh, Congress. Did you oh, get Congress. A con- yeah, yeah, all right. Congress. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. This is WKOK Sunbury.